When you're a member of the St. Lawrence Pastoral Team, you have to blow your own horn because nobody else will. Showboating, it's what you do. When you believe in Jesus, you look to God and his word for inspiration and direction for your life. Bible study, it's what you do. Why don't you have a seat? Uh, for our guests, in a moment of weakness, our pastoral team agreed to, uh, to do some of those little videos. And the, uh, the idea is to take off on the Geico commercials. And I have to tell you, I've been watching these, seeing how many Geico commercials now. And it reminds me of the sermon series. Don't know if it'll do that for you, but, uh, but that's, really, that's really the hope, is that we'll be reminded of the fact that there's stuff Christians do. We've already talked about worship and prayer and now Bible study. So let's, uh, let's get started on, on that with, the, um, with our text, maybe, for today. Can we read that together? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So I had my annual physical on Friday. Now, if you've ever had one of those, you know that the, uh, the doctor does some pretty unpleasant things, even some that I think are downright nasty. And right after he had finished, he says, well, come on down to my office, and, uh, and I want to talk to you. And I thought, well, good, he's going to apologize for all of the indignities that he put me through. <laughs> Dream on. Not only did he not apologize, he attacked he told me, now I'm exaggerating a little, uh, Dr. Shetler's a great doctor and he's a good friend, but still, he, uh, he told me my health is pretty good, but it could be better if I would get more disciplined, especially in two areas of my life. One is eat less, you're killing me doc, and the other is exercise more. Wow. Well, actually, partly because I knew the physical was, was coming up, and also because I, this, I do this at the beginning of every new year. I had already started, a little bit anyway, watching what I eat and, and how much, and, and had been a little more faithful getting to Diversified uh, for a workout. I guess we'll see how long that lasts. But that's all kind of typical, isn't it? We all know that we should do things that are good for us, and and for the most part, we know exactly what those things are. It's getting ourselves to do them. That's another story entirely. So what is it that that would motivate physical discipline? It could be any number of things. Maybe it's a health scare. That's gotten a lot of people back on the track. Or maybe it's uh, wanting to uh, be able to participate uh, in some activities with our kids or our grandkids. Yeah, that, that might do it. If you're on a basketball team, what do you know? Usually it's the team that's best conditioned that's at least going to be in it right up to the end of the game. That's a good motivator. Yeah, there's some good motivators there. Health professionals tell us to find something to motivate us. Because nobody's going to do it for us. Well, hopefully we'd all agree that physical discipline is important. St. Paul would tell us that spiritual disciplines 
are even more important. He says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness, spiritual discipline, is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So what motivates spiritual discipline? Again, it can be any number of things. It could simply be gratitude to God for for his graciousness in our lives. It could be a a desire to set a good example for somebody else, or or maybe it's that that we want to, to find greater peace or comfort or hope in our lives. But like doing things to care for ourselves physically, we can be pretty uneven in our approach to spiritual disciplines. I get that. I'm not going to beat up either myself or you over that. But I do think it's fair to to remind ourselves and, and to remind each other that nobody else can do this for us. We can help each other, though, and we should do that, and, and we do that, actually. That's one of the main reasons a, a Christian congregation is organized. Certainly the main reason why, why we're involved in the Believe series That's an opportunity not only to remind ourselves regularly, but to involve ourselves regularly in the study of God's Word. And and please remember that studying God's Word can happen in all kinds of ways. It can can happen privately in our own homes as as we read His Word and meditate on it. It can happen in in a smaller group as we discuss that Word. It can happen in a worship service. What we're doing right now, isn't it? We're studying God's Word. We're doing it in a more structured way. The question is, why? Why? Why go to all that trouble? to study the Bible. Here's one reason. A recent national poll asked this question. This is a legitimate poll that was was done by the Pew Research Company, if you're familiar with them. They asked the question, where do you look for guidance on right and wrong? And they kept track of how various subgroups responded. One of those subgroups was Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod people. That's us, or at least probably most of us. And here's how our folks responded to that question. The top two answers were religion and common sense. Now remember this poll was asked not just of Christians, it was, uh, uh, it was asked of, of non-Christians as well. So religion really is talking about what's the source, and for us that would be the Bible. So that's, that's the way we would say it would be the Bible. Religion and common sense were the top two answers by Lutheran Church Missouri Synod respondents. The percentages, 41% said religion and 45% said common sense. Common sense beat out the Bible. How does that happen? Well, I know exactly how and and when it happens. It happens when we don't know the Bible well enough to trust it and what God says in it completely. Well, there's so much information coming at us, especially now. We need to sort out fact from fiction. And then we have to determine which of those facts actually make any difference 
in our lives. And it's pretty natural to turn to our own common sense to to try to figure that out. Well, especially these days, the idea that, that there's a source outside of ourselves that by which we measure everything else, one source of absolute truth, like, like, say, the Bible, well, no, that's hard to accept. Until you get into it, and it gets into you. Until you study this word of life and come to know it and to trust it completely. And we're not there yet. None of us is. No matter how you answered the third question about how well you think you you know the Bible, we saw how we answered how much God's Word affects our daily decisions. And even if you were one who said a lot, whatever the top uh, answer would have been there, not completely. And I know that. Because I know that there were times just this past week, maybe already today, certainly yesterday, and every day before then, when you decided that God's word wasn't really speaking to you, when God said, you know, here's how my people are going to live. You will do this and, and you will avoid these things. And somewhere along the line, you said, no, God, my common sense. You didn't say that, but that's what your actions said. I don't trust your word to always speak to me. Well, here's the deal with that, and this is where um, I'd like to ask you especially to turn uh, to, the, uh, to the sermon outline in there. There's some, uh, some points in there that can be helpful, I think. But if the Bible is not God's Word, we don't need to pay attention to anything in it. We can if we want to, but we don't need to. But how about this? If the Bible is God's Word... We need to pay, and we know it is, since the Bible is God's word, we really would say, we need to pay attention to everything that's in it. According to our text, the Bible is the word of life because God has breathed life into it. Just as he breathed life into Adam at creation, so also he breathed life into his word and through his word into our lives. And, and, and how often do you need to breathe? All the time. How often do we need to breathe in the life-giving air of God's word? All the time. That's what those... Berean Christians were doing in the, uh, the first lesson that, that Mike read to us and why Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, said they were, they were the most noble of all because they searched the scriptures every day to see if what Paul and Silas had been telling them was true. That's what we need to do. Because the inclination to trust our own ability to figure things out, to count on our own common sense, is constant and strong. Let's not ignore the words of Jesus when he said, The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So now uh, we're going to see how the word of life 
corrects our common sense. And if, if you want to think about this in terms of, of Jesus' words in the gospel lesson, common sense really is the sand on which so often people want to build our houses. The solid foundation, the rock, is God's word. So we're contrasting common sense with God's word. And we're doing this uh, in two broad areas. One is how to receive eternal life, and and the second one is how to live our earthly lives. So when it comes to how to receive eternal life, common sense tells us that you get nothing for nothing. I mean, if it sounds too good to be true, then what? It is. Well, God's word would say there's something that you get for nothing. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Does that sound too good to be true? Yeah. But it is true. It is absolutely true what God's word tells us. Common sense says you have to earn God's love, and there's billions of people that you're competing with, and God isn't easy to please. God's Word says, well, actually you can't earn God's love, and you don't need to, because God has already shown His love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Common sense says, you know, you really aren't that bad. There's worse sinners out there, maybe, maybe even some worse sinners in here. God's Word says, and this is, this is very humbling, isn't it? None is righteous. No, not one. All have turned aside. Together they have become, what's the word? Worthless. Oh, that's not going to build up our ego very much, is it? Until we realize that God has made and has decided, has said that we are worth the life of his son, Jesus. But talking about whether or not we are that bad, yes, according to God's law, we are. Who does good? No one. Not even you. Not even one. According to God's law, that is. And then common sense says, there are many paths to God, and we hear that a lot these days, and, and there's, a, there's a real appeal to that, isn't there? We don't want to be exclusive, and we don't want to sound arrogant. Don't. Maybe it's helpful to remember that God is the most inclusive of all, because He has told us in His Word that He wants all people to be saved, not omitting anybody there. He wants all people to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. And he's provided a way for that to happen for all people. To be included in his kingdom. And so we need to listen. When Jesus talks about that way. That God has prepared for all people. When Jesus says, I am the way. And the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father. Except through me. Now if you're thinking, I already know that. And I absolutely believe it. Well, go ahead and pat yourself on the back, but, but not too hard. That, that means that you've allowed God's word to work in your heart, or, or more accurately, the Holy Spirit has worked that miracle. 
but don't get cocky. Satan is relentless. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. So we need to constantly be on guard. Plus, there are two parts to this. We've been, we've been talking about the first part, which, which we love to hear about. That, that we receive et- eternal life purely by the grace of God. That he doesn't demand anything from us in order to receive that most wonderful of all gifts. Who wouldn't love to hear that? It's comforting. Who doesn't love to be comforted? The second focus, though, is on how to live our earthly lives. That's more challenging than it is comforting. Because now we're talking about the real world. Now we're talking about real life. And it's tough enough out there without tying one hand behind our back by trying to live our lives and conduct our businesses according to this religious stuff that we read in the Bible. Don't tell me that isn't you. I know better. I think I understand that. But I don't accept it in myself or in you. And I pray that you feel the same way. So common sense, this building on this sand, would say that when it comes to how to live our earthly life, you've got to look out for yourself. Now, in some way, current events have made this so easy. This last week, every time I heard or saw a story on Powerball mania, and the pot is getting so big, and and everybody's talking about how they're going to spend the money to make their lives better. Oh, okay. You've got to look out for yourself. Well, God's word would say differently. Philippians chapter 2, St. Paul writes, Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, so it's not wrong to take care of ourselves and our families, not at all. But look also to the interests of others. And actually, we should have included another verse from there where, where Paul says, Put their interests ahead of your own. Don't look out for yourself. Look out for somebody else. God will look out for you. But common sense building on sand, says you've got to look out for yourself because that's the only way to get ahead. God's word, as you might expect, says just the opposite. And just this is such a remarkable statement from Jesus. We'll preach a whole sermon on it sometime. We just can't do it today. But, but, but listen to these words. Whoever would be great among you, whoever wants to get ahead, Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Common sense says you've got to look out for yourself because nobody else will. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there, maybe out there. But St. Paul says now, and of course, he's speaking idealistically and ideally, and, and we are too, but there's nothing wrong with having that as an ideal, is it? When he says... No, it's not dog eat dog, it's love one another and care for each other and bear each other's burdens. Common sense says you have to look out for yourself because it's survival of the fittest. 
You have to be strong in this world. Read the Beatitudes. We just have two of them today. Words of Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Finally, common sense says, well, you have to determine for yourself what's right. No, that has already been determined for us. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Kind of another current event that helps to make this case for for us, and that's uh, what's coming up because this coming Friday marks the 43rd anniversary of the Supreme Court decision that that said that according to the Constitution of the United States, a woman's right to privacy includes a right to abortion. The word of life that God has given to us says differently. The word of life speaks very clearly against the idea that we determine what's right when it comes to deciding whether or not to end the pregnancy of a a woman when that pregnancy does not threaten the mother's life. Or we decide to prematurely end the life of someone who's very old or very ill or maybe not so old or not so ill. The word of life instructs us to protect the weak and to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. The word of life teaches that all human life is is valuable to God and therefore also to God's people. The word of life teaches that. The word of life teaches us and touches us with God's grace and his guidance. We study it so we can live it. Bible study. It's what we do. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.